Mike, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey, on today's edition of the show, we're going to be joined by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star at 340. We have two sizzling 16 matchups for RCST trivia coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got a KU mailbag at 5 o'clock. Plenty of KU basketball talk. Ask questions still for the mailbag. Yeah, get them still in. Still have time. At RCST 1320. The crazier the Twitter. better. The more ridiculous the better. Okay. Well, you heard it right there. Crazier the better, as Nick said. Uh, how about this? Kansas landed Parker Brown. Yes. Or did Parker Brown land Kansas? <laughs> Some are asking. Some are asking the question. Uh, so we didn't have a show yesterday. We were airing like KU baseball and stuff all day. Or not KU, uh, high school baseball all day. Um, so I wanted to go deeper into this today. Yeah. I think it's very interesting because, you know, when, when you look at this for KU, this is not a guy who normally the players KU is landing is, oh, it's this five-star recruit. This is four-star recruit. It's, you know, this this transfer who was could he play 30 minutes a game yeah he was he was all conference at his his previous stop and he comes into the program and it's like man how is he not going to get minutes you know what I mean and then even if he doesn't end up getting minutes you point back and you're like but he was so good at his previous stop (laughs) and it's not that that Parker Brown hasn't been those things but this is not one of those players who comes in and typically you you say those things about that he was you know all west coast conference or something like that he was a solid player he was a a useful player at his previous stop at santa clara yeah. he was a useful player to a certain degree at his previous stop before that with missouri but it's not boo. one of those moves that comes in with Dirty like boo. yeah it's not one of those moves <laughs> that, that he comes in and like it's this sexy you know, thing where KU fans are like, wow, how did we get that guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he's the younger brother, or I'm sorry, he's the older brother of yeah, get that right. Come Christian on. Brown, you know? So it's not like this is crazy or anything. But I think this is exactly what you were looking for if you were KU. Exactly what you were looking for. Um, You, you look at his, his past. I, I believe he came in originally and he walked on at Missouri his first year. And then he earned a scholarship for his second year. So by the time he was done at Missouri, he was a scholarship player. His second year at Missouri, he played 20 games, played over nine minutes per game in his last year at Missouri. Uh, actually shot 40% on threes that year. Wow. He uh, averaged about three points per game, one and a half rebounds per game. That was a uh, Missouri team that uh, went 16-10 and 10 and ended up losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Oklahoma uh, in an 8-9 matchup. But, I mean, so pretty much he was a – semi-rotational big on a tournament team. And then he transfers into Santa Clara where he's on scholarship both years there. And he plays for his two years at Santa Clara, over 29 minutes per game, starts 65 games, plays in 66. It's an experienced player, over seven points per game, five and a half rebounds, almost two assists, over a block per game, and struggled on free throws, 47%. Could shoot threes a little bit, 28%. He was 34% 
uh, as a junior, 25% this last year, 65% on twos. I think a big reason why he's one of those guys who's, he's not just going to like take shots just to take shots. He's going to take high percentage shots for you when he gets them, which is what you're asking if, if you are a role player. And you might be asking, well, how good is Santa Clara? Well, this past year, they ranked 85th on Ken Palm. They actually finished just one spot shy of Stanford. A lot of people are getting excited about Harrison Ingram. Okay, boom, here's a team like on that same caliber uh, with Parker Brown, who uh, had some good games in there. He had some games that, you know, when you're not the the star of the show, you're going to have some, some down games. Like, for instance, in the uh, conference tournament, um, against Sanford, or, or that's a bad example. In the NIT against Sam Houston State, he didn't score any points. He only played six minutes, though, so I don't know what was going on there. Maybe he got hurt or something like that. But then you go back and you look at certain games, like uh, against, you know, at Gonzaga, he only had four points and three rebounds in 22 minutes. But then you have a home game against Gonzaga where he had 12 points, 11 rebounds on six of seven shooting. So clearly there's there's stuff in there that, that you can have him useful with. And I think going back to the idea of what I'm talking about, it is an exact fit for what you're looking for. Because here's the deal. You might be sitting there going, man, how do they not get this, you know, former five-star group? How do they not get uh, whatever the kid from Utah Valley who put up double double-double numbers at, at Utah Valley? Or uh, the Damian Collins kid from Kentucky who's a former, like, five-star crew. Here's the deal. Kansas brought in Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson is going to play 30, 32 minutes per game. Yes. And if you are a recruit out there who is like, hey, Kansas reached out, they're interested in me, and you're a player who plays center, you're not stupid. You're not going to be like, oh, you know what? I think I could start at this other school, but I'm only going to play eight minutes per game at Kansas. Sign me up. Yes. Okay. I have two thoughts. So you have to get a certain type of big, and this is perfect for that because he's someone who wants to come in and I think can be a role player, can fit a certain role, and is someone who's going to be content doing that and will do it at a good enough job. Yeah, I have two thoughts. Piggybacking off of what you were starting to say there, which is, KUS Hunter Dickinson, if you're a transfer and you want to play more, why would you come to KU? Hunter Dickinson's going to play 32 minutes a game. He played 33 minutes a game at Michigan. Okay? So, yeah, if you're a Utah Valley guy, average a double-double at Utah Valley, you're in the portal. I guarantee you're in the portal not to play less. You're in to play more. Okay? So that's number one. Number two, though, with Parker Brown, I think another interesting aspect of this is he knows KU. We've had a lot of discussions about the idea of throwing together a bunch of talented guys that haven't played together or anything and just shaking them up and hoping it works out, right? Well, with Parker Brown, you're bringing in somebody who, while he hasn't been in the program, I'm sure he understands the expectations of the program. I'm sure he understands how Bill Self runs things based on probably talking with Christian Brown. They probably had a relationship with Bill Self even before then because of the fact that Christian Brown played at KU. So you're bringing in a guy who, while he hasn't specifically played in the program, he understands the culture. He, un- he probably understands the culture, probably understands how things are run, and is a, a veteran presence that can maybe give you a little bit of an extra oomph in that area of, okay, yes, he didn't play it. Yes, he hasn't played at KU, but he understands all that other stuff, right? And so maybe that helps with an opportunity of gelling the team a little bit better instead of just bringing in somebody who is basically brand new, right? So that's some, that's one of those things that you can't track on paper. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not sitting here even saying, oh yeah, I know for a fact that Parker Brown knows that does all, knows all this stuff already or whatever. But I think, it's it's obvious that he probably has some connection, right? I mean, from the fact that Christian sure. Brown played here, and I'm sure they've talked about how things run. Well, I, I like think that. so. It, it's not necessarily a an X's and O's point or like something you can track on paper, but to me, I think it's got to have some relevance to the idea yeah. of 
oh, if you're going to bring in a bunch of dudes who never played together into a program and one of them already kind of has some background knowledge of how things are supposed to go, how things right. are supposed to look like in the program, that's got to be a benefit. Yeah, I, I think what you say, what you're saying, tracks in a very in in a very real way about a couple things. One, um, from his standpoint, being comfortable, right? Uh, that's part of this. If yeah. you did bring on a kid who had this idea that he was going to play 20 minutes a game, he was going to be unhappy. It might make things bad in the locker room. He comes in immediately and knows that. He knows what the staff is going to ask of him. He can ask Christian Brown uh, about, you know, what is it that that practice is going to be like? What yeah. should I start working on in the weight room? What should I get ready for in drills? Uh, what is it like to be coached by Bill Self? And Christian will be like, it's a hard thing, and here's why, X, Y, and Z, right? <laughs> and, and just to a lifestyle perspective, being like, hey, this is what you got to do when you're on campus. Like, check yeah. this out. And yeah. I'm sure he's been and, and visited his brother and stuff when, when some absolutely. of that stuff's happened. Yeah, I'm sure they've had conversations even before. The parents know what to expect. Exactly. Sometimes you get parents who, you know, cause a little bit of, of issues with the coaching staff. But I, I don't think that's the case in, in this perspective. I think, if anything, uh, the Brown family has been very helpful for the <laughs> KU staff because they are what – helped get Dewan Harris and obviously now the two Brown brothers. Um, I think this also helps you from a having a kind of animostic view in a good way about the Missouri game. When that comes up for the season, you'll have sure, somebody yeah. who's be who's able to be like, yeah, I didn't feel like I was treated right at Missouri yeah. and has an extra reason for you to kind of go after that game along with Dewan Harris. You have the connection. I believe Dewan would have played on the uh, the same AAU team that he played with Christian Brown would have I, I believe Parker Brown would have I, I assume he would have played for it so you have a little bit of a connection there and I think above all else it it's the idea that you know y- you look at the locker room and you look at what Bill Self is going to ask Bill Self is going to coach you very hard the staff is going to coach you very hard they're going to require a lot out of you and for some players. They come into the program, and during the recruiting process, it is kind it's of all a sunshine and rainbow. Exactly, it's your kissing asses, basically, to basically be like, "Hey, please come to our school." And then boot camp starts. And then boot camp starts, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're like, "Wait, this is the same guy who is recruiting me." You don't have to worry about that with Parker Brown. So yes, that that is a great thing. Yeah, and he absolutely knows his role, right? He understands that he's going to be coming in and being a backup. So you're right. There shouldn't be. There's not going to be any issues with. Oh, I'm coming in. Might have the opportunity to start or play a little, you know, play whatever. No, you're gonna be playing eight to ten minutes a game max. Yeah, you max. know what you signed up for. Yes, eight to ten minutes a game max. Yeah, and you're gonna be a role player, a guy that can come off the bench and bring some energy and maybe bring a different style uh, compared to what Hunter Dickinson plays. And that's gonna be your role, right? That's gonna be your job. And in the past, KU's had some guys that have been similar to that. Most notably, I think the most obvious one is Mitch Lightfoot. A guy who was very content to be that type of player for KU for an extended period of time. And so the right situation is, to kind of circle back on this, the right situation is Kansas needed a backup big. Badly, right? Yes. With no one to see with no Zubi Edgefer. But again, when you look in the transfer portal, why are guys on the transfer portal? Well, a big part of it is probably they want to have more playing time or want to go shine somewhere. And that wasn't going to happen at KU because of the fact they have Hunter Dickinson already, Right. So your options were pretty limited in terms of looking for somebody who could come in to fill that this type of backup role. And I think given the circumstances, I would guess KU's got to be pretty happy with what they got with, with Parker Brown because, because of everything we just kind of outlined where he's somebody who already has on some surface level familiarity with the program. He already knows what he's going to be, what his role is going to be. 
and he understands that. There shouldn't be any issues in terms of clashing of egos or anything like that. And for K- from KU's standpoint, just from the personnel standpoint, okay, great. Now you do have that sort of yes. backup base. You need role players. You can't just fill your team out with 13 guys who all think they should be playing 30 minutes a game. Uh, this is very important. Um, yeah, I, And it's also interesting, too, that they actually, at Santa Clara, they were playing him. He played mostly at the five, but he played a good amount of minutes at the four, too. Yeah. And, and I so don't, now you go back to the idea of, okay, if, if you wanted to break down the coverage thing. Like, I don't expect to Hunter Dickinson. But, like, would it be that crazy to think if you have Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams out there and KJ Adams gets in foul trouble, maybe you could throw Parker right. Brown at the four for a little bit? Yeah, it's the coverage thing. It's like, yeah. and specifically at the four position, that is the position KU has the least coverage at. Yes. You know, I guess the four and the five prior to this move. Yeah. You had at the center, the only guys you could play at center are KJ and Hunter. Yep. And the only guys you could play at the four are probably KJ, KJ and Marcus and, Adams. Yeah. Which Maybe again, you could stretch Jamari McDowell. Unproven is he going to play, though? We don't even know if he's going to play, right? Exactly. So now with, with Parker Brown, you look at him, he's your third string center. Or... In a hypothetical world, maybe you do play all your minutes with KJ at the four. If Parker Brown comes in and, and he impresses, then he's getting all the backup five minutes, which isn't going to be a lot. That's you know Again, eight six minutes, to ten minutes max. a game, right? Eight minutes max. Um, so I mean, you're talking about that's the role. The ceiling is ten minutes a game. The floor is he's just your third string big who's an emergency center who fits a good role and isn't causing any issues in the locker room. Yes. And then he's also your your third string power forward who in the same thing like he's in a case of emergency which you need to get through a season. Well, and again, think about what unraveled KU in some games last season. It was the fact that after KJ Adams and Ernest Sude, there was injuries, whatever this that or the other. I mean, I, I I constantly have flashbacks to the Arkansas tournament game, right? Where they mm-hmm. both get in foul trouble and all of a sudden you don't know what to do, right? And so you need that depth. You need that extra you need you need a safe pair of hands, so to speak that can come in and, and be reliable for a small amount of time, whatever. So it's definitely, it was it was a requirement, right, for Kansas? It was a requirement to get something like this. And again, I, I think if you ask them, it's probably, this probably end up being sort of the quote-unquote best case for what they could get given the circumstances. So they're they're probably pretty happy with it, I would think. I, I would think so for sure. And I, um, I know there were some people who were um, – like, is he going to be on scholarship? Is he going to be a walk-on? And and I think definitely from the KU side of things, um, they would have preferred this to come in as a walk-on to where they could have saved the scholarship. Not necessarily that they would have used that scholarship this year, but that they would have used it up they from could have the self-imposed it. sanctions, sure. right? And that they would have basically but, you know, had listen, a player. At the end of the day, like, as you, as you mentioned earlier— the Brown family has done quite a bit for yeah. KU. So this feels like a kind of a, you scratch my back. Well, and, I, know, I think I what you. it is to me is this. If you're Parker Brown, you're sitting there going, I have two options. I'm, I'm transferring. This am I going to be my last year of college. I have two options. I could go be on a winning team at KU and get well-connected with some good connections and stuff and set myself up well and, and have a fun time on a winning team. I might not play as much. Or I can go to a you know mid major type of school like a yeah. Santa Clara, right, and play a lot. But it might not be a team that makes the NCAA tournament. It might not be a team that that wins. It might not be a team where I have as many you know future connections for my postgraduate life. Whether he wants to go play professional overseas or wants to just you know start a new career in something else, whatever it is, um, you're not going to get those at the other place. And so if you're him, you're like, man, they both have a lot of pros to them. And then there's some cons to both. So let's just put it this way. If I'm going to be a walk on a KU, I'd prefer to just play and be on scholarship elsewhere. But if I can get a scholarship at KU, 
then I'm content doing that over the other thing. Yeah, and then if you're like KU and he's like, well, I'm not going to come if I'm not on scholarship. And if you're KU and you're like, all these other big men who we try calling are like, hey, I don't want to come there. You have Hunter Dickinson in front oh, of me. Also, then you're like, all right, like, fine, here's a scholarship. KU's not light on scholarship. No, they're not. Right? It's not like it's not like Yeah, that was their, more of a— uh, It's not like they had two left. That was more of a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too thing <laughs> if they were going to be able to get him as a walk-on, right? So it, it's just fine. It works out just well. Yeah. I do think it's interesting, too. You brought up Mitch Lightfoot as a name a few minutes ago, and it's funny because um, if you look at his Ken Palm profile, like on Ken Palm, they have like— they have uh, past um, like player comparisons who they're similar to based on their statistic profile. Okay. And his his 2021 season at Missouri, the fourth most reflective big man was 2018 Mitch Lightfoot, which would have been, what, Mitch's was freshman, that, sophomore, sophomore year? year? Dude, he was here a long time. I know, right? I think they all was, run together. I think that was a sophomore They all run year. together. But I, I feel like most of Mitch's years feel pretty similar and it just yeah. may have varied how much he played but he was pretty yeah. much the same guy all the way through exactly. probably his last year he was a little bit better maybe yeah. a little stronger yeah. but i mean you're talking about a guy in christian uh in mitch lightfoot i should say who he was a little undersized six foot eight like sometimes we get pushed around on the block with parker brown he's a little taller he's listed at 610 he's a little lighter though like 215 pounds he'll get pushed around at times but he fills the roles back a big and i think it's interesting too because i was looking at his synergy profile um Parker Brown was actually in the 86th percentile in points per possessions on post-up. Kind of a limited. I mean, he wasn't someone they were going to every possession. He only had 49 shots at it, but he went 34 of 49. That's almost 70%. That's pretty darn good. That is pretty good. And specifically, if we narrow into, uh, what was the one thing that Mitch Lightfoot was most, or was best at mm. his final year of, of his time at KU? Hook shots, right? The hook shot. Yeah. The right-handed hook shot over his left shoulder. I think he finished in like the 98th or 99th percentile that year in his hook shot to where it was like, okay, we know that there are certain limitations when we throw Mitch on the floor, but we can get away with playing him 10, 15 minutes a night. Yeah. And there are certain things he's going to do well. He's going to fight hard. He's going to hustle. He's going to be a good enough rim protector. And he's going to at least have that hook shot to where he's not like when we put him on the court, teams do have to defend him in the post. Otherwise, yeah. he'll just he'll baby hook you to death. Well, I think that's the case with Parker Brown because I'm looking right now at hook shots. He shot 23 of 39 last season at Santa Clara, which is 59% on hook shots, which was in the 93rd percentile in the country. That's so pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I I look at it like this. Did Mitch Lightfoot, was he an ad, uh, did he do a good enough job to be your backup center on a national title winning team? Yes. And who does Parker Brown relate to? Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch Lightfoot. Is that going to be good enough for Listen, is there you? Any, I think is there is. any KU fan that doesn't love Mitch Lightfoot for what he was? A backup center, right? You can be that role and be a beloved exactly. player. Exactly. And so I, I also think, this is just a quick note, I've mentioned before, like, this could be one of the, quote-unquote, more unlikable KU teams because you have so many new faces and some other stuff kind of going with it. I think this adds more likability to it, too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right? Even though he hasn't think, been with the program, it's, you it's think the brother Parker of somebody Brown who's beloved with will, Christian Brown. Uh, talk trash now was see, that okay thing? it's funny because i so i actually got to see both brown brothers play in the state tournament parker was older i think i got to see parker two years when he was a junior and senior and then christian two years junior senior and parker from what i remember seeing in high school he was more of like the quiet one mm. between the two like he would get okay. pumped up and, and stuff but i don't remember him being that so same he's not way. just gonna go but out there knows? and saying 
you're a. I think KU gonna, fans would love it if he did. I think KU fans would love it too. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's part of it. Maybe I don't know. I haven't, I haven't kept track of him. I, I'm not going to say I've been watching like you know 20 I games of Santa Clara. I didn't watch Santa Clara over the last two years. It's not like I've been single, watching Missouri. Uh, I didn't watch a single second. Yeah, place, Santa Clara. Yeah. Honest. All right, he's dude. Next- when you're on the West Coast and I have to stay up till midnight, I'm not right. watching. Yeah, the game's at 11 Dark. o'clock and they're playing BYU. It's like, ah. Eh. <laughs> I'll use this sleep. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We got Shreyas Lada joining the show in about 15 minutes. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we're joined now by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star. We got a couple trivia matchups coming up after this. Uh, and I want to talk a little KU basketball offseason with Shreyas. But first things first, we haven't really talked about this on the show, uh, but over the weekend, there was some stuff going on with Frank Mason and uh, some auction items up for grabs that were his former awards and Big 12 rings and stuff like that. And I'd kind of been waiting for more details to come out. Well, now more details are out. And uh, a big part of that, thanks to Shreyas, you can check out his piece kind of detailing what exactly happened, what went wrong for Frank Mason here. So I guess, uh, Shreyas, can, can you just best summarize... What the heck is going on with all of Frank Mason's former KU stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So basically what happened was when Frank was in France, uh, he left his storage unit uh, in Sacramento. I don't think he was under his name, but under a friend's name. Uh, And he put a bunch of his stuff there because, you know, he didn't want to take it all the way to France or whatever. A bunch of stuff like KU, like the uh, Big 12 ring, his uh, Player of the Year award, uh, National Player of the Year award, and his game worn jerseys, uh, and a bunch of other stuff like Sacramento Kings jerseys, etc. And um, basically, he didn't pay. Uh, it went into default almost in the sense of uh, delinquency, is what they called it. Um, and they said they gave him 14 days, which is what California law says. You have to give him 14 days and then another 14 days to respond. So they gave a bunch of like notices, this and that. Um, and after that, so basically after 28 days, they said, okay, we're going to sell whatever's in the storage thing to a consignment auction. They bought, sent it to a consigner, um, and the consignment auction bought it. And then uh, they're supposed to sell the stuff officially in a real auction on May 22nd, uh, which is just four days from now. So right now, obviously, Frank kind of took the Twitter, and he was like, listen, it's not about money. It's not about anything. It's about keeping my legacy around and this and that. Um, so he, he wants the stuff back, which rightfully so. And, and I think he's frustrated because either a, his friend did not do a good job of telling him what exactly happened or whatever, but it's, it's a weird situation because there's three different parties involved and they all want different things. And it clearly seems like they want to get Frank's stuff back, but each party that is not Frank wants to be compensated fairly. And, um, you know, they feel like they, they were giving him, uh, enough time to kind of get back and, and figure out all that stuff. So I think it's one of those things where if they can get Frank's stuff back and like the, uh, the auction house told me it'd be a good story and it's something they're trying to do. It's not about authenticity or even proving that it's his stuff. They know it's his stuff. It's just a little tricky because you have three different parties wanting three different things. Yeah. I think, I think the, the interesting part of this to me is that the, uh, I guess storage unit not being under his name with, with what you were kind of talking about there. Um, I guess, do you think this is a situation where he was in France and so he just, like, were they mailing him stuff and, and it was going to wherever his, his place of residence in the U.S. was? Like, was this whoever his friend or agent or whoever this is was supposed to be kind of handling this? Um, is this kind of just on Frank for 
maybe not like answering texts or emails or something like like how do you kind of make that situation I think it's a little bit of everything uh, in the sense of that, yeah, he probably missed some texts and emails, but, you know, that happens. I'm sure he gets a ton of texts and emails. He's Frank Mason. Um, and I definitely do think the storage unit didn't really realize he's in France, and they might have been sending it to his address in Sacramento or to his friend's address or whatever. Um, and I definitely think there was a little bit of miscommunication on everyone's part. Um, you know, if, France, or if Frank had told them, hey, I need a little more time where I, I will pay or whatever, I think they would have given him just based on, uh, you know, what I've read about a lot of storage units and stuff like that. They give them time. You just have to let them know ahead of time that you're having trouble paying or, hey, I didn't realize I didn't see this notice or whatever. Um, and, and it, you know, that lot was sold for $3,000, um, and And, you know, I, I'm not going to make an assumption on Frank's finances or anything like that, but I presume if he wanted to you know, he could have easily prevented it from being sold for that because in, in the grand scheme of things, his, his stuff, like he said, is irreplaceable and priceless. And, uh, you know, the, the bids for stuff start from 250 to 2500 and um, will probably go a lot higher because it's Frank Mason. And, you know, there's a lot of crazed KU fans out there. Yeah, and I, I guess that's kind of why one of the reasons I, I hadn't been talking about it leading up to this week because I, I saw over the weekend there were a lot of KU fans who were immediately just kind of bashing this storage unit. And I was sitting there like, well, let's wait to see what comes out of this because at the end of the day, like, yes, I, I hope Frank Mason gets his stuff back and I hope they're able to figure stuff out. But I guess, it, like, you can't really blame the storage unit at this point, right? Like, they, they did their due diligence. They, they tried. It's It's, I guess... I don't know. It feels like kind of one of those situations where I don't really point blame to someone. I, th I think everybody was just kind of doing their thing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it's an unfortunate situation in the sense of, yeah, Frank probably should have been a little more on top of his stuff, but I think the storage unit should have understood that he's not in the country, so it's a little tougher. And I think they just didn't know that, and it just kind of became a compounding thing. And from, you know, just talking to the storage unit and talking to the auction house, the auction house reached out right away. Um, you know, I, I reach out to Frank multiple times on like different avenues, like Twitter, DM, text, whatever. Fortunately, can get his side of the story, but just kind of piecing it together from everyone else's end. Uh, I think it was just an unfortunate situation in the sense of, you know, he was in France, and if he was in Sacramento, I think he would have been more on top of things, uh, just because he wasn't getting the uh, notices. Whether that's Frank's fault or his friend's fault or whoever. I don't know because he didn't tell me, but um, just based on the fact that I think. There was no real, uh, nobody was really at fault. But I understand why KU fans want him to get his stuff back, and he should get his stuff back. Uh, but I, I don't think I would blame any, uh, either one of those entities, whether it's the auction house or the storage unit, because it's clear that they want to get his stuff back. They're trying to find a resolution. They're talking to Frank's legal representative. They're talking to him. Um, they're trying to figure out a way that it works out for everybody. We're talking with Shreyas Lada. You can check out more on that story specifically with Shreyas in the Kansas City Star. Switching hoops to some, or switching gears to some hoops talk. Um, what is right now at this point? There are the 10 scholarship players on the roster for KU. Uh, there may be just one or two pieces away from finishing this thing up over the offseason. They landed their, their big white whale with Hunter Dickinson. At this point in time, what do you feel like the biggest strength for this team is going to be next year, and what do you have the biggest question about for next year's team? Yeah, I really like the guards that they have. I think there's a lot of different mixes and matches that they can kind of play around with between Marco and Nick and Duan and stuff like that. Um, you're looking at a lot of different things you can play 
um, matchup wise and, and just playing each other's strengths and stuff like that. Also, Ontario almost forgot about him, but just having those four guys will let them play a lot of different ways and you can kind of figure out what combination works best, who's going to fit with Juan. Is it you know, Timberlake? They need a guy who can kind of stretch the floor. Is Arterio coming off the bench? Is El Marco going to be a three if they don't get a wing? Uh, and then I kind of think the, the lowest, uh, I think the worst point of this team right now is, the weakest point is, is definitely the uh, forward position. Yeah, they don't have a ton of guys that you can say, hey, they can be a wing. Um, you know, you could count on Marcus Adams, but I don't think he's quite ready yet. Uh, he's an incoming freshman. Uh, and, you know, they obviously have very high expectations from him from what he's told me and what I've kind of gathered. Um, but I think it takes time. And, and you look at the four incoming freshmen, just looking at last year's roster, there's going to be one guy that you hope really contributes real minutes, presuming that's El Marco. And you want another guy that can play some uh, rotation minutes. So that would be essentially, hopefully, Marcus Adams because they need – uh, at least two out of the four freshmen to have some real minutes in this rotation, I think, to work and play eight or nine deep. Uh, but I think right now they really do lack a wing. They need a guy who can take over, you know, Jalen Wilson's position uh, and a guy who can really do a little bit of everything and can maybe add more of a scoring punch and, and play defense. And maybe the answer to that is Kevin McCullough coming back. Maybe it's not. But, uh, you know, I think that's the one weakness for this team so far. Well, you brought me right to the next question then with Kevin. I asked you back, gosh, I don't know, end of March, early April, something like that, to peg a number on Grady Dick coming back. I'll ask the same question here with Kevin. What percentage would you put on Kevin McCuller returning to KU? Uh, 25. I don't think he comes back, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I said 25 just in case in the sense of uh, I want to see what the feedback is like. But just watching him yesterday, uh, he was put in a, a tough situation where Everybody in those games were just trying to get their own. And he still had a pretty nice stat line. You know, he had uh, six points, I think, on uh, three or five shooting. He had five rebounds. Uh, he had two steals, two blocks, two turnovers uh, in 17 minutes. So he kind of stuffed the stat sheet a little bit in limited time. Um, and I think for him, uh, he played great defense, which is huge. Uh, and, and he had a three-pointer, which I think is a big question mark I've always had about him is if you can show an NBA team he can hit a three consistently, he's going to have a very long career, I think. Uh, in the G League or the NBA, it just kind of depends. But, I mean, his defense is going to keep him around, I think, in that league for a while. Um, I, I just think, you know, from the vibe I get from family and just talking to people around him, uh, he doesn't want to come back. <laughs> and I don't blame him. He doesn't want to come back to school for six years. Um, you know, I, I think if he came back, it would be, you know, a last-ditch effort. But just reading the tea leaves, I could easily see a situation where Kevin's draft stock doesn't really improve much, even if he plays a little better next year or whatever. You know, like, I, I just don't know what he can do by coming back that he could do by going to the G League or, or playing, you know, as a second-round pick for some team uh, and just being on the bench and learning from NBA guys. See, I think that's an interesting discussion because I, I think there's a case to be made that um, for Kevin, I could almost see his stock not being what it is now no matter what. Because if he does come back and it's another year of him, he's a year older, and let's say the shot doesn't – because I'd, I'd imagine right now for NBA teams, they know what you're getting on the defensive end and, and from some of the other mm -hmm. stuff and the high character, high IQ, stuff like that. But the question is, can we ever get him to shoot? Because if we can get him to shoot, he'll be a 3 mm -hmm. and D. So if he comes back and he's another year older and the shot still is in the high 20s, low 30 percent, 
then I could almost see that hurting his draft stock. But on the flip mm-hmm. side, if he does come back and he were to shoot 35 36% from three, which I, I don't know if that would be realistic or not, wouldn't at that point, could you be talking yourself into like, oh, maybe he could creep into like the early second, late first round at, at that point in time? So I think he could be in the early second if he did that. The, the issue with that is, I mean, to be quite frank, he'd just be old. In NBA terms, that's old, man. He's going to be 23, almost 24 by the time he gets into the league. And, you know, the NBA is all about potential. That's why Grady is higher than Jalen Wilson. And, you know, it's one of those things where uh, if you kind of look at where he is right now, like if he does shoot better, I think it'd be great. But why can't he do that on a G League roster where he can learn to shoot better? I mean, like I, I almost look at this Kansas team and I don't know if it would be the right move for Kevin to come back because of the fact that the way it's situated, yeah, Hunger Dickinson fits fills a whole role of uh, scoring and stuff like that. But right now, I look at this team, and there's going to be guys that are clearly going to have to step up their scoring, you know, because they still have to replace Grady Dick, and they still have to replace potentially Kevin McCuller if he doesn't come back. So it, it's one of those things where if you were to come back, where does his role fit in? Would he get the, the shots that he needs? Would he get the, the ball in his hands uh, enough for a team that I think is going to be an interesting uh, case? And I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains with a lot of new faces. Um, and guys accepting new roles. KJ is not going to be a, a five anymore. He's going to be a four. And, um, you know, those are the, you know, Dewan and him are, I feel like, the only two guys guaranteed to start next year. After that, I could, you could easily make a, or, or sorry, Dewan and Dickinson and, and KJ um, not, uh, are the only guys who have guaranteed to start next year. Then you can make a case for the other two spots, whoever. And, and I just don't know where, um, you know, if Kevin were to come back and gets put in the starting lineup, how many touches would he get? Would he get the amount he got last year? Would he be less or more? Would it put more pressure on him to score? Does the percentages go down because of that? I think there's just a lot of question marks there. Yeah, and I will say there is at least, like, I don't know, a couple years ago, I think it was Chris Duarte was 24 years old. He ended up being a lottery pick uh, out of Oregon mm-hmm. to Indiana. I think Derek White was, like, 23 or 24, and he was a late first-round pick for the Spurs. But it definitely is usually a deterrent unless you're uh, just kind of that good. Um, so I guess then if it's more likely that Kevin – is not to return to KU, what do you think the best avenue for KU to fill that roster out would be? Would it be bringing on a developmental player and just rolling with what you got from a rotation standpoint? Uh, is it entering the transfer portal? Is it you know, going for, like you said, a big wing? Is it going for a four-man and playing big basketball? Is it just seeing what falls to you and, and taking a combo guard even and just playing with like three combo guards similar to how Baylor's kind of played recently? Uh, what do you think is the best outcome for KU from, from filling that final spot, Speaking uh, basically? Yeah, so I, I definitely think the best outcome is if they can grab a wing off that. The transfer portal would be nice uh, in the sense of a wing who can go in and give them like anywhere from 7 to 15 or 10 points a game, really, I think would be huge for KU. Uh, they need the scoring a little bit, and I think they just need it because it's a lot to ask of El Marco to come in and be immediately ready to play in a three-guard lineup, what it would look like next year if they didn't get another wing. Um, and he would probably have to pay three. I mean, El Marco is a tall, you know, lengthy guard, but he, I, I don't know, it just feels like they would be forced to play three guards. And as we saw with Baylor, there are some key deficiencies to playing three guards at times uh, on the defensive end. And uh, I just think it'd be a little bit of going away from what self does best is, you know, having – the more traditionalized roles of guys, and especially if KJ's played the four and Dickinson as good as he is on defense, 
I think KJ, um, you know, has to adjust some things being a four versus being a five. And Dixon is good, but, and his ring protection is pretty good, but, um, you know, he's not some stout, uh, I think, defender as you hope him to be. He's a little slow laterally. And, you know, it, it just kind of forces, I think, KU to play a little uh, different than you envision them playing. And I think then what self envisions them playing. So I think ideally you get a small forward. So you could have El Marco to come in and play big minutes if you want him off the bench or put him at the two spot and put Timberlake off the bench. It kind of depends. Um, but if they don't get him, uh, get a wing, I think it forces just uh, KU to kind of get creative with the lineups. And then you're having uh, them playing a little smaller than they probably hoped for. Right, well, I'll leave you with one last question here. I know you uh, enjoy divulging into uh, some NBA playoffs here. I can't remember. I believe you are a Boston Celtics fan. Would you like to give a NBA Finals prediction for us? <laughs> uh, I'm hoping and praying it's a Boston Celtics-Lakers uh, final. But to be honest with you, I'll take anybody I can get it. As long as the Celtics are in the final, they win. I'm a little tired of just watching them getting close and not quite getting in. I know that, that sounds spoiled, but, I mean, <laughs> hey, I cover KU basketball. I guess it should be expected. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Those two kind of line up. That's for sure. Uh, well, Shreyas, I appreciate the time, man. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you got going on with the Kansas City Star right now? Yeah, uh, just, I guess, check out my work, like you guys said earlier, and uh, excited for uh, hopefully have some draft stuff coming out next week. Uh, trying to talk to Jeremy, who will be ESPN, and about all the KU guys, and uh, excited to kind of see how where these guys land and everything plays out. All right, he's Shreyas Lotta, Kansas City Star, and at KansasCity.com. Shreyas, appreciate the time, man. Have a good weekend. Uh, you too, guys. Thanks for having me. That was Shreyas Lotta. Thanks to Shreyas for uh, coming on the show. And one hour down, we got two to go. RCST Trivia, two Sizzling 16 matchups coming up next. We still got KU Mailbag coming at you at 5.05. Get any last-second questions in at RCST 1320. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk as we get ready for another day of RCST Trivia. Brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. And uh, our first matchup for today is going to be a 1-5 matchup between Eric Hansey and Chris Yurchek. Uh, RCST Trivia brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, one of our title sponsors. That's what region this will be in. Next trivia question, what Windows and Doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state. From Lawrence to Dodge City, got a Windows or Doors project, Pella Kansas is here. Locally owned and proudly serving Jayhawks for over 65 years with Windows and Doors solutions for every home and any budget. Schedule your free consultation at PellaKansas.com. Calm. Uh, expectations for this first matchup. Yeah, so this is in the Sizzling 16 in the Pella Windows and Doors region. Eric versus Chris, and the winner will take on Kyle Martin, who won yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, on paper, it's it's Eric all the way. Uh, he's He's got the pedigree. He's a guy that's been to multiple Phenomenal Fours. He understands what it takes to win uh, in trivia at any level uh, in every round. But, you know, Chris, he's a, I think he's in the same boat as Kyle, right, where he's been to some sizzling 16s, but I don't think he's ever advanced beyond. So kind of the same boat where he's trying to break through that uh, that ceiling, so to speak, uh, to advance. So it's definitely it's definitely an intriguing matchup. And, uh, you know, I think at this point, every matchup is, is going to be borderline coin flip when you get to this stage of the tournament. You, you just never know what's going to happen. You never know how the questions are going to fall. You never know what, what could happen. 
uh, with with any of these guys. So I think it'll be exciting regardless. On paper, you would think Eric, but that's why the games aren't played on paper. That's why we play them on the court. Yeah, um, I think that it's tough when you look at Eric's record: eighteen and two on trivia matchups, seventy-eight and three on questions. <laughs> that is just stupid good. Uh, I think he's the goat of this tournament. Um, now, if if you know Isaac ends up winning this tournament and he has two titles, then then maybe that that title moves over to Isaac at that point. But yeah. I think right now it is Eric and uh, Chris has been a really good competitor, really strong competitor in the basketball version and in the football version of this. So. Uh, this is not one that, that Eric can sleep on, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. But with that being said, let's just get into the matchup. We're into the Pella Windows and Doors region. The one seed, Eric Hansey, our 2021 champion, has been top three all three years. This is his fourth sizzling 16. He's trying to make his fourth great eight. He's taken on the fifth, the five seed, Chris Yurchek, who has made three sizzling 16s, but he's looking for his first great eight, and... The winner will take on Kyle Martin, the three seed, which Kyle just did what Chris is trying to do. He had made three previous sizzling 16s. This was his fourth. Chris, this is his third, and made his first grade eight. So we'll see if that pattern continues in the Pella windows and doors region or if Eric can keep things going here. Uh, Chris, let's start with you here. You come into this matchup as the underdog. You're, you're taking on a team who, or a player who has uh, you know, had all sorts of trivia success here. Does that give you less pressure, or do you feel even more pressure because of the opportunity that is in front of you? I think there's probably a little bit less pressure. Eric is a pretty formidable opponent. It's kind of intimidating, but I'm happy I got the T-shirt at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, you've gotten a T-shirt. You've gotten a gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and tickets to a Sporting KC2 game that goes for both of you guys. Eric, uh, for you, you've made the Sizzling 16 all four years. I think you were one of two contestants to do that. Funny enough, I think the other is Kyle Martin, who's in the grade eight now in your region. Um, uh, what are your thoughts headed into today's events? Well, I, I feel like I might be a little at a disadvantage. Somebody monkeyed with the, the fire alarms last night. We had a, a kiddo wake up a little early, so I'm on some limited sleep. But no Ju- juiced up with some some caffeine and some coffee to hope to uh, to belay that and uh, just ready to get going today. Chris, you care to comment on that? Uh, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I don't know you where lives. <laughs> yeah, he, he he placed a call in. It's like calling the hotel room yep, or something. The old, like that. The old yeah. fire alarm hotel right. trick. All right, well, the winner of this is going to move on to the grade eight. You will get a $14 car wash pass to Mr. D's Auto Wash, free sandwich and breakfast sandwich to McDonald's. You will get auto entry into 2024 trivia and a top two seed into that edition. You will get a uh, T-shirt from Home Field Apparel, a KU T-shirt. You can also get 20% off your first order with code RCST at checkout. And you will get a blue or white number one Kansas basketball mini jersey from mini jerseys. Don't be just another fan cheering for your team. Stand out from the crowd with the perfect gift for mini jerseys. A better way to make a great Father's Day or birthday gift than with a mini jersey. Big in spirit, small in size. They're a versatile gift you can showcase on your shelf. You can make your own wall with the man cave. Make your own KU rafters. You can have a cover for your favorite beverage or on the tree during the holidays. Support your favorite KU player now at minijerseys.com slash Kansas-Jayhawks. Okay, well, uh, Chris, you are the lower seed here. You have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, Let's go second. All right, Eric, that means you, just like the little digit next to your name, are up first. Into the easy round we go as we have ditched the really easy questions. Eric, 
What 16 seed, starting with the letter H, did Kansas defeat in the first round of the 2023 NCAA tournament? Howard. Yep, Howard is the correct answer. I I don't know who's all watched Better Call Saul, but I thought about making a Better Call Saul um, hint there, but I don't know if that would have landed, so I opted to go with just the letter H. I only, have, right. I only have two episodes left in season six, by the way. Okay, I'm, I'm on the last season as well, so please don't spoil anything okay, for me. Chris, this one for you. Uh, who, from the Big East, did Kansas beat in the second round of the 2022 NCAA tournament? Creighton. Yep, Creighton, the correct answer there. All right, we got out of the easy round. No stumbles here. On to you, Eric. Into the medium round. Name one of the two schools coming out of the ACC and Big Ten, respectively, that Kansas defeated this past season in the Battle for Atlantis tournament in the Bahamas. Wisconsin. Yeah, that was the one where... uh, they need a little bit of heroics. The other one was NC State. Yeah, the Wisconsin one was the, the Zach Clemens shot the three, and then you had the, the what was it, the Bobby Pettiford put yeah, back at the, one point. shot, quote-unquote. Yeah, pass. right. <laughs> okay. Whatever you want to call it. Chris, for you, what school, nicknamed the Pirates, did Kansas beat in the Big 12 Big East Challenge 91-65 to on December 1st in Allen Fieldhouse? Seton Hall. Yeah, they just crushed Seton Hall. That was like the best stretch basketball KU played all year from Seton Hall, Indiana, Missouri, beginning of December. All right, Eric, back to you as we're going to move up into the hard round of questions. This is where champions are made. And uh, Eric, on to you in the hard round. What jersey number did Aaron Miles wear at Kansas? Number 11. Uh, one you knew. You have some uh, jerseys behind you. I see some Royals jerseys. Do you have any? Uh, is there an Aaron Miles jersey back there, perhaps? Uh, there is not. There uh-huh. is a Devontae Graham one hanging in front of me that you can't see on screen. But... Okay. Well, that one didn't help you then. All right, <laughs> no, Chris. No, <laughs> Your question in the hard round. You ask me what number Devontae Graham wore. I am not. <laughs> I am not. I do have a jersey number question for you, though. What jersey did Wayne Simeon wear at Kansas? 23. All right, so you guys both knew your jersey numbers there. Those are always tricky for some people. It, I guess, depends on the player, depends on the contestant, but you knocked him out of the park. On to the really hard round. Back to you, Eric. Kansas lost 81-80 to in double overtime against Texas Western in the 1966 Midwest Regional Final. Who led the Jayhawks with both 24 points and 15 rebounds? Oh. I mean, JoJo White is the obvious one coming to mind. Who else would have been on that? But he was an All-American, so I'll go JoJo White. That's the one that people would mostly think of. The correct answer is Walt Wesley. And Chris, you have a opportunity that nobody has been able to take advantage of. That would be trying to knock Eric out before the Phenomenal Four. Chris, for you. Kansas escaped Houston 78-77 to in the 1971 Midwest Regional Semifinals behind 29 points, 16 rebounds, and 6 blocks from who? Uh, 
Well, there's an obvious answer, but it's the really hard round, so I think it might not be him. But uh, Dave Robish? Dave Robish is the correct answer. And Chris, you have pulled the upset, the biggest win in your trivia career. How does this one feel? Uh, I'm elated. I did not go in with high expectations. I'm glad the questions were... I'm glad I picked second. Let's just say that. So you would not have gotten the Walt Wesley one? I don't think I would have. I was even looking at those years this morning, and I still don't think I would have gotten it. Eric, would you have got them if they were reversed? Would you have gotten Dave Robish? Yeah, I feel like we always talk. You always talk about it. The Robish is the, the kind of obvious answer for the lost years, if you will. Um, so, and, and dude was a double-double machine. Yeah, I think both Wesley and Robish, I mean, just, what, five years apart there, both of them kind of get tossed in that of like kind of slightly forgotten big men a little bit who put up just unbelievable numbers. Well, Eric, I mean, it's still been an unbelievable run for you. You've made the sizzling 16 all four years, one of two to do that. You have three top, you know, three finishes and everything like that. Uh, I know you've mentioned and that, you know, you were tired today, you had to deal with some stuff. You almost didn't even join the trivia tournament this year because of how busy you were this year. So I, I know this isn't as far as you wanted to go and, and as far as we've seen you go in past tournaments, but overall, we, we hope you had another fun ride here. Always a good time. Really appreciate all the effort that I know you guys put into putting this together. And uh, it's it's a fun distraction during these kind of doldrums of, of the sports world. So um, appreciate you goading me into coming back. And uh, Chris, wish you the best of luck going forward. Chris, Thanks, do you have any uh, words you want to give to Kyle, your grade eight opponent? Uh, watch out for the fire alarms, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks, Derek. Wow, man. So Chris comes through. Uh, a couple things I want to talk about here. First, okay, the questions. Because I'm starting to worry a little bit that it, it's funny because I check over the questions. You check over the questions. I have two other people who are not in the show or in the competition that I have checking over the questions. And nobody brought up that is the Dave Robich, Robich question slightly easier than the Walt Wesley question. And at the time, I don't think any of us thought it was. After hearing both of them say they knew the Robish one and that Robish has been maybe a, a bit more of a popular question than Walt Wesley, I am starting to wonder if that was a little bit could be off in, in difficulty. Well, okay. Here's here's my thought. My thought is over the course of this tournament, now obviously I have a peek behind the curtain because of the fact that we're running it, but over the course of this tournament, we have had a a number of hard or really hard questions involving this time period of the late sixties, early seventies. And a lot of the times the answer has been Dave Robish. So I don't know if, if if this is a situation where it's like you reward somebody who maybe listens to all of the matchups and might pick up on hey, this is a, ne a popular name from this time period, which would lead them to then maybe having a better chance of guessing that one, right? So, I don't know what's tough. But, yeah, we, we have had – Dave Robish has been a popular answer, I think, for us uh, in our in the course of our trivia questions. And it, it's one of those things where I don't think we totally keep track of, like, the questions we've already asked over the course of a tournament. But this is one where immediately it came to my mind of, oh, this is a name that has popped up already in, in multiple instances previously of – being an answer to other questions. But again, that goes back to, we, we do try to sprinkle in some uh, Easter eggs, shall we say, for people that listen to every trivia matchup that maybe gives them a sure. little bit of an extra edge, right? Yeah, so th there's been one other Robish question from this year. Uh, there was one Walt Wesley question back in 2020, so our inaugural one. Um, so it 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It certainly, yeah, it, it sucks because, like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm I'm stuck in between, like, maybe Robish is a more notable name. But then again, you're talking about two big men who are just five years apart, you know, who are both really good but more forgotten years. And I guess, like, technically, is there that big of a difference between so them? But Walt then again, Wesley Robish is, does feel like more of a recognizable name. So Walt Wesley is just a even more forgotten of the forgotten years. I guess, which is weird because, again, they're only – I mean, Walt Wesley was – I'm trying to say our, our 2020 question that was asked about Walt Wesley. Okay. This former consensus All-American center averaged 19 points per game for his Kansas career from 1990 from 1963 to 1966. I mean, he was a consensus All-American from 63 to 66. But yeah, Robish and is you can't, seemingly a more recognizable but also, name. You you can't blame Eric for guessing Jojo White. No, he, no, not at all. Was at that point was in the middle of what going what went on to be another and also a fantastic career. Yeah, I think that was uh, JoJo's freshman year. I think it was Walt Wesley's last year, his senior year of college. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There is a part of me that I definitely feel bad for Eric. And, and at this stage in the game, when anybody loses, I just feel bad in general. But that that I think is the first time over the course of this trivia tournament that I have really questioned like, is that one a little easier or a little harder than the other? Yeah, and it's tough because th- this is the really hard category. So they're supposed sure. to be really hard. <laughs> it's, the name, right. it's the name of the category. Right, like so should the rubbish one have been hard, exactly. not should, really should hard. Should that have maybe just because of the context of it, should it have been a hard question? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, uh, I do feel bad for Eric, but I, I will say um, yeah, off this note, it, we probably should give some some credit here to Chris. Who? Oh, yeah, for congratulations sure. Congratulations. And really cool that we do end up with a grade eight here of Chris and Kyle, two guys who have been to this round before but haven't gotten through yet. Now they do get through, and they're going to be facing off in the grade eight. Do you have an early read? Who's your early favorite? Mm, see, this is interesting because when you have a guy or when you have a team that constantly hits the same wall over and over again, and then they finally break through, that can lead to one or one of two reactions. It can either propel you like even further to like championship levels potentially, or it can be like you break through the wall and then you just have nothing left after that, right? Like you just you're you're you don't have anything in the tank for that next whatever that next thing is, right? So I don't know that that that's interesting because this this could go either way. I man. I, I'm leaning towards Kyle, but I mean after this performance from Chris, I definitely can't rule him out. But I, I am leaning Kyle right now. He's got the the better until, seat until, next to the name until but. he shows up and says that someone pulled the fire alarms <laughs> at his at his house. All right. Well, we have uh, three people who have moved on so far to the grade eight: Justin Nichols, Kyle Martin, and Chris Yurchek. We're going to find out who the fourth that advances is momentarily. It is going to be a four sixteen matchup. The uncommon four sixteen matchup <laughs> out of the twenty third Street Brewery region in the top left corner with Brian Rainey versus Chris Freeman. One of our title sponsors of RCST Trivia is Johnny's Tavern. In twenty twenty three, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its seventieth year anniversary, and that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about a seventieth anniversary celebration at our original location in North Lawrence, where you can be a part of the neighborhood porch. Of course, there's now thirteen locations of Johnny's from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore, Missouri. You can eat the Nuke Lulush pizza or the Buffalo chicken dip or the Wilson wings, anything in between. You know, with the weather heating up, ice cold beer going to wash down perfectly. Try the blue collar lager beer. You can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Back for our second matchup of the day next on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with KLWN. Depend on it. All right, welcome back in. We have one more trivia matchup today. 
After Chris pulling the upset, we're going to either have a four or a 16 seed moving on. Chris versus could Brian. Another Chris upset. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, this could be the year. Of, if, if Chris Freeman wins, this is officially the year of Chris, right? Yeah, because or do have, they have to uh, make the phenomenal four to declare that? Uh, okay, so how many Chris's do we have left in the tournament? Just these two? I think no. Chris is the most popular oh, name yeah. left. There's two of them. I don't think anybody else. <laughs> no, there's. Uh, well, isn't there multiple Andrews? Uh, yeah, there's two Andrews. So I guess so they yeah, haven't, they haven't competed. Well, there were three Chris's that made the Sizzling 16. We had Justin advance over Chris Conway. Okay, okay. So the Chris's had the edge in the Sizzling 16, but which name Andrew or Chris will have the edge in the Grade Eight? I mean, I think you have to go Andrew based on seating, right? Hypothetically, but we already know one Chris is through on the. True. So you need both. So like you, you have a, a for sure with the Chris. So yeah, the only way the Andrews can get through is if both and Chris Freeman. This is kind of a coin flip game. So yeah, no, uh, this, this should be a fun this, one. This should be a good matchup. Absolutely. Uh, RCST trivia brought to you by our title sponsors: Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, Twenty Third Street Brewery, and River App Print and Skate. Uh, 23rd Street Brewery, that's the region this is in. It's a great spot to watch the game. You can check out the outdoor patio. Perfect for the heating up weather. You can even bring your dog out there. They've got great service, great beer, and great food. Try the new Fitzgerald Reuben on the menu. I love the prime rib French dip, the Haney turkey stack, the Bouchard BLT, all of the sandwiches to die for. Check them out in Lawrence with 23rd Street Brewery. All right, let's go into the matchup. Well, we, we have never had a 16 seed reach the sizzling 16 until this year, and it happened twice. And this is one of them, Chris Freeman, taking on the four seed with Brian Rainey. Brian has made a sizzling 16 before. This is his second one of those, and he's trying to make his first grade eight. He has gone 9-0 and in questions this year. He's had one of the, the best first two matchups so far this year. 25-4 and four on questions all time, 6-3 and three on matchups. Chris, meanwhile, is making his trivia debut. He's already made it to Sizzling 16. He's gone 8-1 on questions and 2-0 on matchups, taking down our defending champ, Tyler Feist, in the first round. Chris, let's start with you. Um, at this point, you've made the Sizzling 16 as a 16, as I mentioned, for the first time. Does it feel like you're playing with house money here, or do you feel like you know th- there is more for you to accomplish? I think I'm putting myself under a little bit of pressure that I want to go ahead and do my best this year because never count on what happens in the future right it could be uh, a question that i don't understand or um, don't know the answer to and then i'm out real quick so i, I better take advantage of where i'm at now um, a little bit afraid of brian i think he's got all the same strengths i do so we gotta find a weakness in there somewhere well chris uh take us through what what's your your ku fandom like uh do you have a favorite player all time Oh, no, I'm one of those guys that I love all the players, so it'd be like picking amongst the children, right? So, uh, <laughs> no, I don't really have a favorite player. Oh. Although, uh, Danny Manning is what I got into the fandom, so uh, it, it's hard to beat Danny Brian, you are a four seed making your second sizzling 16 here, and I, I forget exactly what you lost out on. Do you remember the question you lost out on the last time you were in a sizzling 16? Uh, ooh, that was a while back. I, I, if I remember right, I think the question was how many losses. What's the most amount of losses Bill Self has had in one season? And the answer was ten. I think I said seven, if I remember right. Yeah. Well, uh, it feels like to this point you've you've had your best tournament so far. Do you feel like you're in a better spot than you've been in the past couple of years, or do you just feel like the questions have kind of come your way this year? I mean, 
it's, it's hard to say. I, I think I've gotten lucky with the questions. Because you guys asked pulled out a question from 1925, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, but it ain't me. But um, I, I think I just got lucky. And don't let that 16C fool you, man. He's much better than the 16C. Yeah, that's for sure. And that'll be reflected next year. All right. Well, uh, Chris, you are the lower seed, though. You do have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Second. Second it is. Brian, you're up first. We've gotten rid of the really easy questions. That means we'll start in the easy round for you, Brian. This former Drake transfer was the only Jayhawk to start a game this past season besides Grady Dick, KJ Adams, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, and Dewan Harris. What's his name? Joe Yesifu. That's right. Joe Yesifu filled in as a starter when uh, Kevin got injured. All right, Chris, your first question. This former Memphis transfer also wore the number one and played for KU in 2018 to 2019 with his brother as an All-American big man. What's his name? Lawson. That's right. Actually, well, can you clarify for me? Yeah, okay. Just to make sure. Figured we'd need that since there were two of them on the team. All right. On to the medium round. Back to you, Brian. On February 3rd of 2016... What Jayhawk dunked up 16 points in the final seconds against Kansas State, resulting in Bill Self making these comments that it was totally classless and probably the biggest... Okay. (laughs) You don't have to finish it. (laughs) Yeah, we're good. That'll save me from... uh, I want to hear that. You do? Uh, The rest of it. Probably the biggest dick move I've ever had a player do during a game. That was from Bill Self. Repeating a quote there. Yes, (laughs) Yes, that was Brandon Green. Who could forget? All right, Chris, your medium round question. What team did KU lose? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. What team did KU lose to in their second game of the 2014 to 2015 season that resulted in Bill Self wishing his water was actually vodka? Kentucky. That was not a fun one. That was that undefeated Kentucky team, and that team was very good. The KU team was kind of young at that point, and that was not a fun one. All right, we're moving up to the hard round. Things get intense. Winner moves on to the grade eight in the 23rd Street Brewery region and receives a blue or white Kansas basketball mini jersey, a KU t-shirt from Home Field Apparel. Use code RCST at checkout for 20% off. Uh, breakfast sandwich, sandwich and regular sandwich to McDonald's and a $14 car wash pass to Mr. D's Auto Wash and auto entry into next year with the top two seats. A lot on the line as we move to the hard round. Back to you, Brian. In the 2008 National Championship game, Kansas made 14 of 15 free throws. What Kansas starter who shot over 70% on free throws for that season was actually the only player to miss a free throw that game for KU. Can you give me his jersey number? I cannot. (laughs) He was a starter, you said? Yes. Ten seconds. Darrell Arthur. The correct answer is Brandon Rush. B. Rush missed the lone free throw for KU in the 2008 national title. All right, Chris, your chance to continue your Cinderella run. By nabbing seven of them, 
What Kansas player led the Jayhawks in defensive rebounds in the 2008 national title game? Defensive rebounds only? Yes. 10 seconds. Brandon Rush. <laughs> that would have been funny if, if it was the same guy. The correct answer, I think Brian was thinking it was going to be Darrell Arthur as well, who I believe had a double-double. It is actually Darnell Jackson. Darnell Jackson led the team in defensive rebounds, but it was Darrell Arthur leading the team in total rebounds for the game for KO. All right, we're going we're gonna to do another hard round question here. We're going to go back to you, Brian. Prior to Ochai Agbaji, who was the last Kansas player to lead the team in points per game for back-to-back -back seasons? Lead the team in points per game. Yes, for back-to-back -back seasons. Perry Ellis. You nailed it. You nailed it there. It was a tough one, but you got it right. 2015 and 2016, he led the team in scoring back-to-back -back years. Uh, take me through that. Did, were you just going through the past years in your head going, okay, that guy probably led him that year and, and going through, or, or what made you get to that? Uh, I, I saw that in the media guide this week. Okay, doing a little bit of studying. All right, Chris, for you, keep us alive and move us to the really hard round. Who was the last KU player? to lead the team in rebounds per game for back-to-back -back seasons. Ten seconds. Landon Lucas. It was a good guess there. I think he did do it around that same age. It was actually somebody who just played for KU. Jalen Wilson led Kansas in rebounds the last three years at Kansas. He led him in 2021, 2022, and this past year. He was ahead of David McCormick last year for the title team. So tough way to go out there, Chris. And uh, certainly uh, that one's going to sting for you. But you got to feel happy with, with your run in, in your first edition of trivia overall, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm very pleased, and I'll take you up on that offer that you uh, gave me when I beat Tyler that I'd have a top four seed next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that's that's for sure going to happen at this point. Which of those two questions that you got wrong in the hard round is, is going to keep you up at night a little bit longer? They both will. If I had a little bit of more time, I'm confident I would have had the J. Will. I think in the um, Darnell Jackson question, um, my first gut instinct was either to say Darrell or Darnell, but because it was the hard round, I started thinking, well, it must be harder than that. So that's why I went with the brush. Yeah. It's funny. But, Sometimes you just psych yourself out. Uh, Brian. Yeah. I'm curious if, if either of those would have been reversed. So if you would have got the Darnell Jackson or the Jalen Wilson one there at the end, would you have gotten either of those right? Honestly, Darnell Jackson popped in my mind. I'm not sure if I would have said Darnell Jackson. But on the on the other question, I was thinking Jeff Whitney, so mm. I would have got that wrong. 
But, um, yep. Darnell Jackson did pop in my mind. That's for sure. Sometimes you, it's it's like hiding under the bed with that Jalen Wilson one. It's, it's the last place you would expect to look because it, it was right in front of yeah. you, but you just kind of forget to go there and you immediately start thinking yeah. back. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brian, you're moving on to the grade eight for the first time. Uh, what does this feel like to you? Hard to believe, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm still alive. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. I just, I'm happy to be here, so. I'm excited. I'm That's excited. awesome. Well, Chris, we can't wait to have you back next year because, like you said, yeah, you will be a top four seed next year, and uh, certainly people now are going to have you, as opposed to you being the 16, people are going to be circling you. They're going to be going, uh-oh, I don't want that guy in my region. So thanks for joining, man. Yeah, I won't always be able to go second anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, Brian, see you next week. Chris, appreciate it, All man. Right, thank, thank you, guys. Wow, what a matchup. That's what we expected to have happen. And, you know, this has been the tournament, as I guess now officially we can't say it's the tournament of the Chris's. No, Andrews have the opportunity. I, I, think, I think it's Andrews now, um, potentially. Potentially. They, they got to both win. But I think this has also been, at this point, the tournament of breaking through. Yeah, yeah. Brian has been a great competitor through his career. I think so. I mean, that's his seventh trivia advancement. This is his fourth time in trivia. He's made one sizzling 16 prior. I think he's been to the second round like every year. And then he had one previous sizzling 16, but he hadn't made it to this point. Now he does. Kyle Martin had made three previous sizzling 16s. This was his fourth, makes it through. Chris Yurchek had made two previous sizzling 16s. This was his third. He breaks through. This has been the year of breaking through. And I think that's really cool. It's cool that we yes. have that storyline. You feel good yeah. for people when that happens. Yeah, you love to see guys that. You know, come back and keep keep fighting, and eventually do get rewarded for it, right? So I think that's really cool. I love that Brian dropped in that little nugget about how he was looking at the media guide for the Perry Ellis question. That was Doing great. Studying, so you got to study, man. I mean, once you get to the stage of the tournament, you're probably not just going to skate through if just off the top of your head. You know, you need to be able to do some studying a little bit. So, yeah, that was a great matchup. That was a great matchup, and that was another one where it was like, you know, we've talked a lot about Brian as maybe being one of the guys that I think could be the favorite for the whole thing. But also you have Chris, who has made a great run, and it's another one of those situations where it was just two guys that maybe you don't really want either one to lose. But For sure. One I, man enters, only I'll or say two this. men enter, only one man can lose. There's going to be some people doing their brackets next year uh, for next year's RCST trivia. Chris is going to be a trendy, phenomenal four national title pick next so? year. For so? sure. For sure. He, he proved his stuff this year. So we're excited to get him back and uh, certainly feel bad for him losing out there. Feel good for Brian. And he will take on the winner of Andrew Wymore versus Eli Loney. One of our title sponsors in RCST Trivia is Riverat Print and Skate. Riverat has screen printing and a skate shop. They have embroidery and promotional products available with art and logo creation and their KU licensed skateboards, longboards, paddleboards, and safety gear. A large selection of shoes and apparel from well-known skate brands. And they can help you out with custom apparel like our trivia shirts and hats. Follow them on Instagram at river underscore rat underscore print for the print shop. At Riverat Skate Shop for the skate side. Give them a call, 785-371-1660. Uh, so that's trivia for today. We have four trivia matchups coming at you on Friday. Juicy. Juicy to finish juicy, out the week. Juicy, Friday. But we are now officially halfway through the Sizzling 16, and half of our grade eight contestants have been made. Uh, once yeah. again, if you've made it to this point, if you have Dude, made the grade eight. I'm starting to get sad because it's like 
It's winding down. It's winding down. Yeah. Like, there's not as many matchups. It is sad because it's so much fun for us. But I that's know. okay. We'll have football in a few months, too. True, yeah. Uh, but you've already received for making the season only 16 a gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, a trivia t-shirt from River at Print Skate, tickets to supporting KC2 game, and for making the grade eight, a blue or white number one Kansas basketball mini jersey from mini jerseys, a KU t-shirt from Home Field Apparel, a voucher for a free sandwich and breakfast sandwich at McDonald's, and a $14 car wash pass to Mr. D's Auto Wash, and auto entry into trivia next year with a top two seed. All right, that's trivia for the day. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and uh, we will talk a little more KU basketball coming up in our next segment, which we'll also do right now because it is that time of the week to get to our KU mailbag. First up, Mark, spelled with a C. What's up, Mark? Thanks it, for your question. Is that the more popular or the, le- the less popular oh, way of spelling these. Mark? Sorry. There we go. Uh, what did you say? I got distracted. Mark I don't, with a I C? Just, I accidentally like Mark Gasol spells it with a C. No, dude. K is definitely more popular. Yeah, I think so. Well, okay. Maybe not. Makes him unique. Maybe in like Europe it's more popular with the C? Probably. You think? Yeah. Mark Gasol. It seems like just such a European thing. That's I know one Mark from Europe is Mark Gasol <laughs> and it's with a C. So that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, can slash will Zuby or Uday choose KU? Okay, well, unfortunately, I think he said this, this was question at, yeah, this was before. before. Obviously, Zuby picked St. John's. The deal with Ernest is, I don't think it was ever really that likely because we we've touched on it here and there, but like the idea being that he was going to be the backup at KU, he was probably going to get like. 10 to 12 minutes a game. Yeah, max. nothing, I guess nothing has changed. Yeah. And then the final. When he, why he decided to transfer. The final nail in the coffin for me that signaled that he probably was definitely not going to come back to KU was scheduling the visit for Kansas State. <laughs> right? Yeah, even if he wasn't going to go there, just to like kind of yeah, make KU like, mad. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Zuby, I don't think it was ever in the cards. I Zuby thought was the possibility. There was some stuff that like it made sense about being like, well, things have changed now. Ernest is gone. But they didn't change. In but fact, they changed didn't. the worst. Exactly. He ended up going to St. John's. Um, I guess if this was in response to Mackenzie and Baco didn't pick KU, would that make Ernest do it? No, because Mackenzie and Baco was never going to play the five. That's not what it is about. Yeah. Hunter Dickinson joined the team. Is Hunter Dickinson still on the team? Yes. So wasn't going to happen. Okay, this one from Alex. Would you ever order the Domino's tater tots? Okay, first of all, I didn't know Domino's had tater tots. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I don't think I've ever had Domino's in my entire life. So thirdly, no. The answer is no. I have had Domino's. Uh, not one of the more popular options. That I couldn't tell you the last time I've had Domino's. I would say that. Okay. Um, well, I'm just, you know, I think we've discussed this. I'm just, I'm not a huge pizza guy. So I don't yeah. really... I'm not a big pizza person. Oh, there's a lot so of like, good local saying, places. Am I going to go get tater tots from a pizza place that I never go to? <laughs> but that's the thing. You don't have to be a pizza person now, Nick. Why not? You can just be a tater tot person. Dude, I'm not just going to go get tater tots for a meal. But they're loaded tots. That's psychotic. No, dude. I see these on commercial all the time now during sporting events. Okay. And so I'm let me sitting ask there. What is it between a loaded tater tot and a mozzarella stick? Is that not the same thing? What? Is that not the same thing? This, the, I'm going to give you another chance. Do you really want to ask that question? I'm curious. What do you mean, what is the difference? A they're tater loaded, tot. right? No. They're both fried and loaded. With There's whatever, like with nothing similar about the two. A mozzarella stick is cheese that is fried. Okay. A tater tot. Do you know what a tater tot is? It's a I, potato. I it's, it's, it's potatoes with like 
a, a crunchy, crispy skin around them. I don't even know what it is. Like it's fried. It's potatoes, though. It's potatoes versus cheese. They are completely different. Now, loaded tater tots, they have different types. Okay, but like, I thought mozzarella sticks had like an outside coating of like... Have you never had mozzarella sticks? No, I have. I just thought, okay. they, I thought, just thought on the outside was something else. No, it's just a fried batter. Like, this is what they have at Domino's. The Philly cheesesteak loaded tots. It is um, okay. tender slices of steak, creamy Alfredo sauce, fresh onions, green peppers, and a blend of cheese made with cheddar and mozzarella topped... Cheese? Oh, oh my gosh. Topped on tater tots. That actually sounds pretty good. Dude, but nobody is going... Nobody is ever like, you know what? I'm going to order some tater tots. Who has... Oh, Domino's. Perfect. Or, here's the thing. If somebody's ordering Domino's, they're like, I just want pizza. I'm ordering no, Domino's I, yeah, for pizza. I think that makes a lot of sense. Imagine if somebody started listening to our show to be like, hey, why aren't you guys talking about the local ballet? I'm like, well, hey, you're at the wrong spot. But that's <laughs> not what like, Domino's is doing. You don't doing. like ballet? That's not what Domino's is doing. I don't have a problem with ballet. It sounds like you have a problem with ballet. I just don't know anything about ballet. What do you mean? They dance. Dude, I'm, I'm so mad that That's you were comparing, though, you know mozzarella sticks to all tater All you need to know about ballet is that they dance. What's next? Is pizza the same thing as tacos? <laughs> is Gatorade the same thing as beer? Where no. does the line stop? No. Uh, this one from Hawkman. What if Kevin doesn't come back and KU says, screw it? There is our three scholarships. So this was obviously before Parker Brown. So yeah, same so question same, applies, same, but... Same concept. Yeah. Just one less. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is an idea that we've entertained, right? Of KU said that they're going to lose in their quote-unquote self-imposed sanctions. They said we're going to lose three scholarships over three years. Nowhere did it say we're going to lose one scholarship a year over three years. It just said three over three years. So that means, yes, you could do it however you really want to divvy it up. And in a situation like this with Kansas where... They maybe is, there's only maybe like one guy left that they might want to try to add or something like that. Then absolutely, you say okay, well let's let's take an additional reduction this year, and then go from there. Yeah, I think at this point too, because there are less options that are even available at this point. I think it almost becomes more likely that they wouldn't leave both open, but that they leave one open. So you get one yes. more impact player, one more so player. So if you have eleven scholarship players, yes. then you're burning two. Correct, basically. and that would leave you with you know say. In 2024, you'd be able to have 12 players, and then 2025, you would be able to have a full 13 scholarship. Or couldn't you even go 13 then 12? Yeah, you could. I just, wouldn't it make more sense to go 12 to 13 just from a standpoint of, hey, we only had 11 players on our roster last year, so you have less returning players? No, I guess that's true. But I guess you're you're right. But I guess if you're you're kicking off eight players every year anyway. Yeah, and it lands in your lap that you happen to fill up on roster, then what's the big deal? Yeah. Okay, this one from Barley. Barley. Is that an Irish name? Scottish? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. If MJ Rice were still on this team, what would his role be? This is an intriguing question because if he were still on the team, he would probably be in line to potentially be a starter, right? I mean, it'd be the competition at the three would be him or Nick Timberlake, right? <laughs> yeah, so he'd have a chance to be a starter. Uh, but obviously, I think that, again, the issue is like the potential is there. It's always been there. But it never came to fruition. So if he was still on the team, I think you'd be having a similar discussion to like what the Ernest Uday discussion was before Hunter Dickinson joined, which was like this idea of what if he takes a big sophomore leap? Yeah. But the problem with that is like Ernest Uday kind of actually showed quite a bit more towards the end of the season as a freshman than MJ Rice did. So it would I think it'd be even harder to really 
have that discussion because of the fact that he didn't really show anything. But I guess technically that would be the concept would be if he was still on the team, it would be like, oh, what if MJ Rice flips the switch and has a sophomore jump and then he's the starting three? Yeah, I think that would be the, the ceiling outcome. He takes that jump. He is your starting three man. He's one of your best perimeter scorers uh, on the team. Because, like, what spurred that Ernest? What, what spurred that conversation with Ernest? It was the fact that down the stretch, he had a couple games where he was pretty impactful. Right. So that would be the hard part of it. It's like, I don't know how you'd approach the conversation because there wasn't anything to be like to, that MJ Rice showed in terms yeah. of promise. No, there's 100% still a chance that he comes back and, and that just, Nick Timberlake beats him out. Yeah, and it doesn't work. He's playing. 10 fit like I think the floor would be higher on his playing time but he still might only play 10 15 minutes a game yeah you know as, as kind of three or four it would give you more options at the three and you could even play him as a small ball four at times to where you know maybe it eats into a little bit of Marcus Adams minutes maybe it eats into any potential minutes that are out there for Jamari McDowell or Chris Johnson I mean that's a really small ball four though it is it, it is five yeah for sure so I don't know I, I just think the idea of like I said, with the earnest stuff, like that conversation became really easy because it was like, oh, yeah. look at what he did in the last 12 games. I will say, though, if if you could go back in time and tell MJ Rice that this would fast be the forward team. to May 18th, this would be the team and that there would technically be no like real small forwards on the team. What do you say? That's a wonderful question. Okay. I wonder if it'd be more like because I, honestly, I have no idea what North Carolina State's roster is looking like. I don't know. Maybe so, for him, it was more about just change of scenery. Yeah. Didn't like how your one went. Just yeah. go somewhere else. From North I don't Carolina, know. so yeah. closer to home. This one from Scott. How would the following team perform in a KU basketball season? All players are the college version of the player, except for the center. Okay. Guard Nadir Tharp. Guard Chris Tehan. Guard Connor Tehan. Forward Parker Brown. And center Nikola Jokic. Okay. I have a very important clarification of this question. Yeah. Are we assuming that Bill Self is the coach? Yeah, yeah. I think we have to, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, Bill Self's the coach. They're winning the Big 12, right? I think they're winning the national title. I think so, too. <laughs> I wanted to start with the Big 12 and kind of gauge what your thoughts were, but I was ready to go to national title off the rip. Okay, so here's the thing. Nikola Jokic is, was the back-to-back -back MVP. He almost won three straight. He finished, whatever, second or third this year. He, he put can up, do everything. Yes, he put up this season 24.5 points per game. He shot 63% from the floor, 38% from three, and that was on an NBA three-point line, 82% for the foul line, 12 rebounds per game, 10 assists per game, one and a half steals per game, almost a block per game. He is in the conference finals in the NBA and putting up ridiculous numbers even in the playoffs against NBA competition. If he goes to college basketball, he is the I'm best two-point scorer. Yes. Nobody would stop him in the post. Nobody. He is... One of the best, honestly, he probably would be one of the best three-point shooters. Because think about it, it's a much closer three-point line. He shot 38% this year from three. Ten assists per game. He's, He's one the of best, the best passer. passers. He's probably the best rebounder. 12 rebounds per game in the NBA. year before, he was at 14 rebounds. He's the best rebounder. <laughs> I mean, in the country. So pretty much what's going to happen is teams are going to double-team him. Well, they, I don't know if they can. I don't know if they I can. I guess this is what would happen. Because in the NBA, if you double-team him, he's such a good passer. Find somebody else, they hit a three. Is that team going to hit enough threes around him that if they double team him, dude, you're just ignoring Connor Tehan? Good enough three point shooter to make them pay. Same with Chris Tehan. Um, exactly. Tharp was actually a good three point shooter. I mean, I, honestly, I would rather just kick Parker Brown off and just go play four on five. But I guess that would be the question. 
Would there be a game? Because that's like in the NBA, it's a best of seven series, right? You can afford a bad game. The problem here, and for what it's worth, Nadir Tharp, 38% from three his last year of college. Of so, course I mean, they'd be good enough. With Tharp, Everybody stands Tehan, and Tehan, that's everyone's, a good enough three Everyone points. stands around the perimeter, and you give it to Jokic in the post, and either he scores or kicks it out. Okay, so, um, I but the problem there is what happens, because even though those, those guys did shoot threes, what happens if a team just says, we're going to triple team Jokic for this game, and we're going to let you beat us from three, is there a chance... Those guys go five of twenty from three in a game, and you lose that game. Maybe. But I, I mean, still think Jokic would be so unstoppable. They're going to be wide open. Yeah, somebody would be open in the dunker spot, even. Yeah. Uh, what about the defensive side, though? Because Nadir Tharp, not a good defender. Chris Tehan, I mean, he was a walk-off. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, probably, Connor Tehan was actually de- a solid enough defender. Parker Brown, solid enough defender. But if he's playing the four as opposed to the five, well, is he going to stretch out? Outscore everybody. I would think so. Jokic is not known for being a good defender at the NBA level, but in college, I think he would probably be a good defender. He'd be he bigger be than everyone. Yes, he would literally be immovable. He'd be I, immovable on the defense. I guess I probably shouldn't declare the statement that they'd win a title because we do know. Well, this goes back to the question that was made about like the if only, you added Giannis the only, to the works team. The only caveat to these types of discussions is like, oh, what if they're getting foul trouble? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But it's like, the that's foul so trouble. dumb. Like, that's such a, that's such a but lame. just five of to them. To me, that's just a cop-out. Honestly, I do think Jokic would actually be helped in the college game. Every game, if you watch him in the NBA, he gets bloody arms. He gets scratches all over himself. He gets pushed around and stuff, and he'll kind of accentuate it to get is, the call. The he would get even more calls in college than he would in the NBA. Dude, Doug Sermons mm-hmm. and John Higgins would be giving this man every, ca- every foul. Yeah. Every single foul. And I really, like, if you watch him... He just does this little like turnaround where he'll hold the ball above your and his his head, and he'll just shoot it over you and make it. Now, good luck in college, where instead of doing that over Rudy Gobert, who's seven foot gigantic, you're doing up uh, against a six foot eight small ball five. You know what I mean? He would legitimately shoot seventy percent, but it wouldn't be a Udoka seventy percent. It would on be twos, like he's just that good. Where like he's just dunking everything. It's like he would just do that because well, again, yeah, you couldn't stop him. I think I think with Bill Self, that's what makes it like basically guaranteed natty. Because Bill Self is just going to draw up diabolical things. He averaged 30 points. 30 points in like, I don't know, 14 rebounds? Is that too crazy? 30 points, 15 rebounds, 8 assists per game. Like, is that that too crazy? Yeah, I get it. My one question is, it's the foul trouble. It's the, what if a team just triple teams him and your three-point shooters aren't on that game? And also the defensive side of things. Those are my questions. And does enough of it I don't think the defensive side matters. But I think this is the best team in the country. The triple team... Thing like, like I'm I mean, trying I to think. Even if you're a college shooter and you're wide open, you got to hit at least 35. Is there an time. example of a player who was like by far the best player in college basketball and they were bad? I guess like Kevin Durant was the best player in college basketball and they got a four seed or a five seed and they lost in the second round. But this is not that was but Kevin Durant be, as a 19 year old. This would be head and shoulders. This above. is yes, Nick. So by this would be by far the best college basketball player ever because it's a player who's won back to back MVPs prior to this year, yes. but is now in his NBA. Prime. Literally, he's and, not 19 years old. Literally and metaphorically, head and shoulders above everybody. Yes. So I don't know. I, I think I, I, don't think, I think national crazy. championship. Right, I, I I I I said Big 12 championship because I I didn't know if you were gonna be like oh they're gonna suck so I wanted to like temper yeah, my expectations. I almost but I was ready say, to go to national title. I almost wanted to say they get a one seed and that leaves me a little margin for error. But you know what? Whatever they win the national, no, national title, nobody can stop you. Yes. Uh, this one from Seymour. Compare this KU basketball team to a pizza. A lot of pizza ones. Yeah, what's up with the pizza? Although I guess that was non-pizza with Domino's, but still, nonetheless. 
I mean, I, I have a great place. I have a great answer for this. I I thought about right. this long and hard this morning. Go for it. Knock okay. It so let's hear. It. Um, I guess I'll I'll start with the controversial terrible, side. Of terrible, things. terrible. I'll start with the controversial side. I think I have this down to an exact science. Okay. Uh, Hawaiian pizza or pineapple on pizza, basically, okay. is a very polarizing thing. Sure. People love it. People hate it. Okay. People think it's an affront to God. Other people think it's delicious. Okay. Um. I think the I, I think we're gonna go with the pineapple pizza here for KU. And the reason why is I think Hunter Dickinson is the pineapple. Okay. So here's why. I had a long, hard time thinking about what is Hunter Dickinson. And I settled on pineapple for this reason. He is a very polarizing player across college basketball. Okay. Right? He he's is, really good. He is. He's very good. Um, and if you love pineapple pizza, you love the pineapple on it. So you're going to love Hunter Dickinson. But for some people, that's not their taste. They want more of the wing type. They want more of the guard types. Or they want a player who's not like kind of brash and does certain things that Hunter Dickinson does that makes other fan bases not like him, right? So he's a very polarizing player. On top of that, what does pineapple do when you put it on pizza? It, it, it very much restricts the other types of things you can put on the pizza. You know what I mean? Like, you never see a pineapple pizza where it's like, hey, I know I have this meat lover's pizza. Let's just slap some pi uh, pineapple on there. Hey, I know I have some anchovies and black olives on my pizza. Let's put some pineapple. No, that doesn't work. You have to have a very specific set of other toppings with pineapple on your pizza. It's the Hawaiian pizza with Canadian bacon and, and pineapple. It's a barbecue chicken pizza with pineapple on it. A very specific set. And so when you decide you're going to put pineapple on there, certain toppings, no more. Ernest Duday, whatever topping you were, sorry, you can't go on the pizza now. Zuby Edifer, Edifer, sorry, whatever topping you were going to be on the pizza, you can't go on the pizza anymore. We have pineapple on it. Okay. So that's why Hunter Dickinson's pineapple. Okay. I think the uh, crust slash the dough is KJ Adams. He is, you know, on its own, if it's just the dough, it's edible, but it's like this this isn't going to get a lot done. You know yeah. what I mean? On I its mean, own, if you just, right? If you just take KJ's the, the star of the show. And pound it into a circular bread. pizza and then put right. nothing on it and put it in the oven. Right. Which bread is a staple, but it's, you know, it, it you need more. You need more to it. You need more pizzazz. And it's a very important staple. It's a foundational structural staple. So yeah. it is very important, oh, like yeah. KJ is. And it it's is. versatile. You can use it with different toppings it and is sauces. It's literally and stuff, the right? bed of which everything else is. Exactly. Built exactly. So very, very important, but it doesn't provide Wait, all the That pizzazz. wouldn't be Dewan Harris, you don't think? No, and here's why. I, I thought about making Dewan the bread because that was my immediate thought. And then I was like, you know what? I think it makes more sense to make Dewan the cheese. Because because without the cheese, you just have Basically, the bread side of it. The cheese is what brings it all together. Correct. And the, cheese, you, the cheese is what makes it. It goes from just a, a an amalgamation of a bunch of random crap into to pizza. And and have you ever like? It's hard to mess up a pizza. You know what I mean? You could even have just a cheese pizza. It's yeah. still going to be solid enough, right? You put Dewan Harris on a team. It might not be the best team in the world, but it's going to be solid enough because you have Dewan on it, and he helps put stuff together. Nick Timberlake to me is the sauce. He's what puts stuff in between. Without the sauce, it's just cheese bread. It's not pizza. Nick Timberlake, without him, you're not a basketball team. You don't have three-point shooting. You're I mean, not a modern still, basketball team, I should say. Be a basketball you, I know. Yeah, I guess that's the wrong way to put it. You'd be a 1990s basketball team. <laughs> he gets you to the current day and age. He is the, the sauce that you put in between. Okay. And then uh, the rest of the players are somewhere in between. I had a thought, like, Parker Brown is also the, uh, you know how you get pizza and you'll get the packets with the Parmesan cheese and the uh, red pepper flakes? Sprinkle it on there. And it's like, it's it's seasoned to taste. 
Some days, some slices, you're not going to want to put anything on there. You don't need Parker Brown that day. You don't need him that game. Other yeah. days, it's like, you know what? I could use a little extra flair. It's missing something. Give me the red pepper flakes. It's Parker Brown. Okay. Yeah, that's good. You like the, that? The rest of the players, good? The rest of the players are know. just random other... Uh, I guess Arterio and Marco like the dipping sauce you get, whether it's you like ranch or honey or the garlic sauce to dip your crust in, just yeah. a little extra added or something. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I, I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was a well-executed uh, breakdown Thank you. of KU basketball as pizza. Thank you. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU mailbag. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.